0: The Latter-day Lives Podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Latter-day Lives Podcast. My name is Sean Rapier. I am your host What an incredible interview this week. Chantel Squires is the director of the new film Jane and Emma. And holy cow, she is so impressive. I just loved my conversation with her. I could have talked to her for hours. She just has an incredible point of view and I think such an important voice. And I get the feeling we're going to be hearing a lot from her uh, in the coming years. She's just incredible. And uh, that's coming up as well as this week in my Latter-day Life. I'll tell you why I really believe that if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one around to hear it, that it does still make a noise. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. I had an amazing opportunity uh, last week to see the most incredible film. It was, uh, I'm going to call it life-changing, and I'll explain why in a little bit. But we have that film's director, Chantel Squires, is my guest. Thrilled to hear all about your life, Chantel. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so excited to hear about this movie. But before that, let's get to a little bit about who you are. Tell us a little bit about where you're from.
1: I am originally from Lehigh, Utah.
0: Big Lehigh.
1: <laughs> big Lehigh. Which
0: it is now. Now Lehigh is like a big booming place.
1: Yeah. It was not when was I not was when growing, growing up. up. <laughs> it was a small town. Yeah. I remember when we got our first stoplight. So, and we used to go walk across the street to the train tracks yeah. and put pennies on the train tracks and hide behind the bushes <laughs> and then wait for the train to squash the pennies. And then we would go look for the pennies and leave once we felt the tracks vibrating. That was like...
0: That was the exciting that, thing in Lehigh. That Lehi. was the
1: exciting thing. But Lehigh also
0: has an amazing film pedigree. What is Lehigh known for in the world of film?
1: <laughs> Do you know, it's funny. I really didn't know about it till college, but... What? How did you not know about this Because people were like, did up? you ever watch Footloose? And I was like, <laughs> No, we just we just went to the train tracks and Squash Pennies. <laughs> That's all we yes, did. Yes,
0: it is Footloose. Footloose was yeah. filmed was it filmed it was filmed largely in uh, in Lehigh. In Lehigh,
1: the roller mills.
0: Uh Dave Nibley was on our show and Dave was actually an extra in it. We oh, really? had a whole conversation about <laughs> that's that. Funny. Yeah, it, that's a big deal. Yeah, Lehigh Roller Mills and all that is right there. So Yeah,
1: maybe so one you, day I'll shoot You grew up, up
0: there. uh you grew up a member of the church?
1: I did. Yeah. yeah. I was born and raised a member of the church. Yeah. I went to BYU and now I live in Salt Lake
0: so. That is a very, very Latter Day Saint story.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I it's awesome. <laughs> there there I love we it. are.
0: <laughs> I love it. And uh, tell us a little bit about your family. You have siblings?
1: I do. I have an older sister named Robin and a younger brother named Christopher. And then I have um, a mom, Virginia, yeah. and my dad, Merlin. They're wonderful.
0: It's uh, awesome. Yeah. And your mom? Where's your mom from?
1: Uh, she's from Peru. Peru. Actually. So yeah. cool.
0: So you had lots of culture growing up. I
1: did. It was fun. <laughs>
0: that is fantastic. I, I uh,
1: yeah, I would notice that my life was just a little different than yeah. my friends. I'd go to their house and I'd be like, "Hmm, our home is slightly different," That's which really is great. Cool. I, I my mom is just the sweetest.
0: That is so fantastic. So, did you know when you were young uh, that you want you wanted to be a filmmaker, or was this something that happened when you, you when you got older?
1: Um, I didn't. I I don't think I had any idea that I wanted to be a filmmaker because we my like it's just not in our family we don't talk about that kind of stuff my dad is really into the arts and he would mm. take us to symphonies and we would listen to music music was a huge thing i grew up very musical we we had a dance room in our home and a so, dance room yeah cuz that's you know the, there was the living room and other people might call it the playroom, but we called it the dance room. Yeah, because that's where we would have dance parties. How oh, fun! Family uh, dance parties. Family dance parties. Oh, that is
0: the coolest. Yeah, that is so cool. My brother so you was surrounded the best. by the arts.
1: Yeah, yeah, I did, and um, just appreciating it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we we did. A, my brother, he's into the arts. He's a really talented singer and an actor, and so just kind of yeah, it's in our blood a little bit. It's in bit. your DNA. Uh-huh. Yeah, so
0: awesome. I think that that's so important that we raise our kids at least appreciating it. Yeah. I don't know how much talent we all have for it, but so, I'm so question is you, you're, you know, you're a director, uh, and directors, you know, require taking initiative and everything else. Do you think that uh, being a middle child had anything to do with wanting that? I'm a middle child myself.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so
0: I always kind of wonder if as middle children, well, I'm one of four, so half of us were middle children, but you know, the oldest of the youngest kind of have a a fixed role. Mm -hmm. You know, I I always see middle children like claiming their sort of staking their claim, you know, Mm -hmm. do you think that had anything to do with you wanting to look for the arts or wanting to create your identity?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I I think there's a couple of things for me that go into that, because yes, as a middle child, like I didn't have as much pressure (laughs) as my that my sister did, right? And then my brother, he was the only boy, and he he had a different type of pressure. And I was just, it didn't it didn't seem to matter as much what I was doing, and you know, but I also had this drive to do I was so busy I all growing up I just was so engaged in so many things and I still if I have downtime I just start to (laughs) get antsy (laughs) because I just feel like I should be doing something and I really love to do I really love creating and so I had I did I had freedom in my life and to to be and my parents were really really great at telling me I could be whoever I wanted to be and love that I
0: love hearing that
1: my dad was really supportive in that way. He just, oh, he he's a really incredible man and has always enabled and empowered me to make my own choices. And awesome. he's a brick mason, and I laid brick with him growing up. For two <laughs> solid summers, I was ripped, and I learned the value of having a good work ethic.
0: That's so cool. And understanding
1: why that's important. And my mom, coming from Peru, <clears throat> she's an immigrant and she has this immigrant mentality. She worked her way through college. She taught herself English and she oh, gave awesome. me this motivation to just, you know, make the most of your life. So I think from both sides, I just had a very, I was really encouraged by my parents and they, they were really supportive of anything I did, even if they don't, didn't or don't quite understand it. Yeah. They, they, they've always been really supportive. But I think, I think one thing too, along with that, um, that I've noticed, uh, I was I was watching a documentary, and this it was about female war correspondents. Oh wow! And there was this one woman who was half Chinese, half American, and she's mm. sitting in, I'm not sure where she was, in Iraq or something, and she has her like flak jacket on, and she's you know, journal- doing journalism in the middle of war, a war zone, and someone kind of asked her like, how she found herself there, and she was like, you know, when you're mix a mixed race like you don't really belong anywhere
0: oh interesting you
1: don't feel white and you don't feel for my case brown i you know i I didn't feel very connected to my spanish side and i certainly didn't feel like i was white and so i i just didn't quite know where i belonged and and so that i think was a huge thing for me to just find my own place in the world
0: yeah, we, Stephen Jones is uh, a very close friend of mine, and, and his father is uh, black, his mother's white, and he talks about that, how he doesn't feel like he has 100% identity, but it's forced him to kind of create his yeah. own. Do you feel like there are some blessings in that, or is it all trial? No, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you, that, that you own that. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I think it probably opens up some doors for you. That's really cool. When, do you remember when you first fell in love with the camera?
1: Um well, I don't know if you can fall in love with a hi-eight camera. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did. I had a Canon did L2. <laughs> the uh the, the the big white. Oh, that was such a beautiful camera. I, I didn't fall in love with the hi-eight process. For for our listeners who don't know hi-eight, it was a very small tape.
1: Long time uh ago.
0: a long time ago, but it was like the first high-def format that there was. Yeah. Cuz before that there was VHS and VHS-C and some really lousy stuff and but high eight was yeah. like wow, we got, <laughs> yeah. you know, you can make it digital too. Yeah.
1: I did love, the, I loved filming, and I loved, yeah. I would, I would just always film when I was in high school, just always film things. But I, I will say that my love for editing actually probably was that was my first love. So I hmm. would film things, but to sit down and put it together and cut everything together and create and put the music and just like finish the product, that that happened for me. When I was in high school, wow! And it was my senior year, and I it was my first all nighter I spent. I was, um, I did I was a cheerleader back in high school, and we went on a competition, and I was going to put together a, a film for Fun. our film festival that never actually happened because no one else in the school made a <laughs> film, and but I I did. I just edited the whole thing, and I was up all night, VCR plugged in, the radio plugged in, you know, all of these things, and. And I loved it. And I, and I remember I was doing a photo shoot for something later. And this this woman who was my the makeup artist, yeah. she said to me, or I, just, I was watching her work. And I'm like, how on earth did you know that this was what you wanted to do when you got older? Because I didn't know what I was going to do how in college. Cool. And she was like, well, my advice to you is to figure out the thing that you love doing the most and then try to figure out how to make money doing it. And I Such immediately went oh. to that night that I pulled in all night. I was like, "That I could do that every day."
0: You could edit all the time. Yeah, yeah. That is awesome. That is so cool. And you were doing analog editing. Yeah, I mean that's full on. You know, I mean for the for for kids who are listening because you're very young, but so you must have gotten in right as that kind of uh, crossover when it kind of switched over from analog to digital. Uh, it was. It's a I lengthy process.
1: look younger than I am. <laughs> I had some time with analog. <laughs> Did you really? See, you look very young. I shot young. my first film on mini DV. Did you SD? really? yeah. Okay. So, so you're
0: older than I thought you were, <laughs> but you look very young. Well, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we. I remember because we, we used to, some of the stuff we used to shoot uh, with our mutual friend, Tyler, you know, we'd shoot and then we'd have to upload it and then we'd use a, a speed razor that it would take like. Oh gosh, it was such a process. Mm -hmm. It was very laborious, and now I look at how easily we can shoot and edit things.
1: Yeah, I'm really glad I had that. I mean, I certainly don't have the experience of cutting film strips. Right, cutting film is a whole different thing. A whole different beast. But I, I feel like you know, taking the time and spending a lot of time with your footage and all that, like you know, it gives you a different appreciation for things.
0: Yeah, to try to get everything exactly right. I mean, you were editing stuff uh that now iMovie that comes with a MacBook
1: Yeah, <laughs> is
0: like 10 times easier than what you were doing I at the know. time. I
1: don't know, iMovie
0: is not that
1: easy. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a little simple.
0: <laughs> at, at least you can get those exact cuts where you want them. Where I remember on tape trying to press pause oh, sometimes yeah. and trying to stop it. I had a... Uh, a deck-to-deck videonics setup that uh, you had a little wheel that you used to, you know, move back and forth. That was tough times. <laughs> so so did your friends all love that you shot in high school? Like, were they thrilled? Or did they think, I don't know. why on earth was Chantel <laughs> shooting us?
1: I have no idea. Yeah. They probably... Like no one really questioned it, you mm. know. I would just stand in the hall. I remember standing in the hall. Some people were like, look at the camera. Like, don't look at the camera. Just like be natural. <laughs> you were a director. Like, you were a true director by I then. Lost. Don't look at the camera. Uh, and then I just slip into like school dances, and you know, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta film this. Like, there's no, like, we will forget what it was like. To dance in the year 2000, I just thought it was so cool <laughs> that it was the year 2000. So
0: <laughs> that is awesome. So this this all leads you to BYU. What did you What did you study at BYU?
1: I studied film. It was the theater and media arts program. Yeah, and I remember the very first day of school. I was sitting in the intro to film class with the professor it was Dean Duncan, and he was talking about film. I don't mm. know there was a couple hundred people in the class and I just felt like there was like a light shining down on me. It was just like this is where I'm supposed to be.
0: This is your life.
1: Yeah, which I know that doesn't happen for everyone, you know sometimes oh, takes Oh, but it's so awesome time. that it does. I was really grateful because I and I also because I had had that experience in high school editing and knowing my passion for that that yeah. I immediately just jumped into being an editor. And so I, you know, volunteered to work in the editing lab, and then I ended up getting a job there. And I, I, as a student, edited a lot of stuff because there was a lot of student films and commercials and documentaries and different things that were coming through with the students. And so I just had a lot of really great opportunities. Um, And it was my junior year that I was editing a documentary for some film students or some students who weren't film students. And so I had a lot of freedom. I needed to be the one to kind of create the story. And that's when I really I fell in love with documentaries. Yeah. And I started directing my first documentary in my senior year of college.
0: And what was that documentary?
1: Um it's called Reserved to Fight. I reserved to fight. Yeah. It was the Iraq war had just started in two thousand three yeah. and Three months after the war started, there was a whole unit of reservists, marine reservists from Salt Lake City that had come home from the initial invasion. And I started to film them, and I ended up following four of them for about four and a half years to see their readjustment home from war. Wow. So that was my first. So if people
0: want to see that, is there somewhere that they can see that Um, that documentary?
1: It just finished its streaming (laughs) contract with PBS because it – it was. Um, I got finishing funds from PBS. Oh and my so gosh! It how awesome! Aired nationally and internationally for uh, five years, and then so it's not streaming right now online. But I have if you go on the our website, reserve reser- reserved to reserved fight Reserve reserved reserved
0: to fight Yeah.
1: Awesome. Um, so, um, what did you
0: learn from that experience?
1: Oh man! I mean,
0: I know there are thousands <laughs> of things. But what are some things that surprised you that you learned?
1: Um. You know, one of the things, there's a few things. From a storytelling perspective, I learned how difficult it is to tell an honest story. It's, mm. It takes a lot of work to really maintain integrity to someone's life. Yeah. As a storyteller, you, ha- you know, if I do an interview with you for two hours right. and then I only use two minutes of it. I can make you look like a really awful person <laughs> if I really wanted to. Actually, you can make yeah. me look like a really awful person pretty easily, so
0: I'm I'm pretty easy that way. But I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. It's it's hard to have the integrity.
1: Yeah, and and for these these men, there are four of them like I loved them so much and they all were so different yeah. in in their experience, their motivation for going toward their their ability to assimilate back into society and so just trying to really understand a person yeah like to their core i i really learned mm. a lot and i learned a lot about um empathizing with people and and trying to and understand not judging you know oh, like yeah. realizing what what people have gone through mm. and a lot of the times i think that we really forget to think about that, and we just judge a person for what they've said, and don't realize, hey, this is their backstory, you yeah. know. And and so I think for me, like, I loved, I I love making documentaries. It's it's so wonderful to do that, but it also helped me get to a place in my storytelling where I I, I try to keep things focused on the human experience, yeah, versus. Like a political agenda or say a message that I want, I believe needs to get out there. Yeah. It's for me, it's like if I get to know you as a person and I get to learn to love you and care about you, yeah. cry with you and feel for you, then I will be able to empathize with what it is that you have experienced. And for me, that's the best way to communicate something with people. So I think it was a really, really important time for me in terms of my storytelling. So I'm a
0: documentary junkie. I mean, that's 90% of what I watch is documentary. I I read nonfiction and I watch documentaries because I find it so much more compelling. But I sometimes I'll watch a documentary where halfway through I recognize a director's bias or a director's agenda and it ruins it for mm-hmm. me. I mean it's really, really yeah, I kind of it shuts me down. So the yeah. fact that that you recognize that and look at the storytelling aspect of it is awesome. Was it hard to narrow four years with four people down to how long was the documentary?
1: Yeah, it was. Well, our PBS version ended up being fifty six minutes. <sighs>
0: Oh my gosh! So, so four years with
1: four soldiers, three hundred hours of footage. <laughs> yeah, we edited for a year. It was intense.
0: Oh my gosh, that must have been so frustrating. Sometimes
1: it was hot. It was a lot of work, but I mean, I love. I yeah, I just love making movies so much. So it was the process was was really cool and kind of to what you were saying. We were, I was doing a test screening, you know, as we were in the editing process, and it was like people at the end of it would, you know, have all these opinions about the war, which I don't think people should not have opinions, but I didn't want that to be the focus because like you said, like you could eliminate audience members if there's too much. And, but I, over time, like we, we just finessed the story to the point where the last screening I had, all the questions were, how's Mark? How's Chris? Oh, that's great. How's Earl? How's Matt? And I was like, the film is done. That's (laughs) awesome. So, yeah, but it's, It's a lot, it's hard, but it's worth, it's worth it.
0: Some of my favorite documentaries are about subjects I could not possibly care less about, but I care about the people. Yeah. And so if you've told that story that way, I can watch documentaries. My wife kind of laughs at me because I'll, I'll be watching. What are you watching? Why are you watching that? But if the people or the story is compelling, I can get wrapped up. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you have a favorite, not your own, but do you have a favorite documentary? Do you have one that you kind of always go back to mentally? Oh, my gosh. Or a few?
1: That is a really <laughs> good question. I cannot remember the name of this documentary, but it was about this guy who um, was a tour guide in New York. It's in black and white. It's an older film. I can't remember it. His,
0: was his, that an Errol Morris film?
1: Ah. Uh, this is where you get me. I yeah, no, that's remember okay. These. I I don't remember what, but I think I saw that. Been, yeah, I think I been. saw that
0: one. And and he's a he's an older tour guide, and yeah. he's like talking about how the glory days used to be. Yeah, I think I saw that he one. Was yeah,
1: just like I, characters, I lo- a character. Yeah, where you just like man, that guy's so great, and he's just beautiful, a beautiful human being. Yeah, you know,
0: I, I I'm pretty sure I've seen that one. Yeah, yeah, I get wrapped up in it because. When you find a truly great character in a documentary, it is so far beyond what someone can write. Mm -hmm. I mean, and we're going to talk about now making a historical film in a few minutes, uh, you know, where you're dealing with true characters as well. But that's just awesome. So. Yeah. So, you. So, question for you, this has come up uh, with a few of our directors that we've interviewed, and they have very strong opinions, so I'll be interested to hear what you think. Uh, we've had directors who have said, film school is the best, and if you want to get into film, go to film school. Mm-hmm. It's the greatest thing in the world. I've had two other directors who have very forcefully said, do not go to film school. Go work on, you know, volunteer or be a grip or whatever. Learn film th- on set go to business school, go to marketing, go into something else that you can apply to film. Mm -hmm. Where do you fall in all of it now, having gone through BYU Film?
1: Well, I have found a lot of success through all of my experiences, so I would never say, no, that was the wrong way to go. Okay. Right? So I think that no matter what it is, if it's school or if it's work, you have to make the most of the opportunity. Yeah. 100%. If you're not self-motivated, you will not work in film. It's, right. <laughs> film does not hand you anything. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if you're in film school or not. Like, for me, I, the thing that was so great about BYU is, at, at least when I was there, I, I don't know how it is now, but there was a lot of access to equipment and resources oh yeah and there was also a lot of um graduates of byu that would you know come back and and i um like i created my own opportunities you know if there was an opportunity one of the first um colleagues that i met it was when i was a, i was 17 years old <laughs> and i was a freshman in college and it was Sterling Van Wagenen. he mm. is an amazing director, producer. Wow, I don't, I don't think I know him. The co-founder of the Sun, the Sundance Film Festival. Oh my he gosh! Wow. Is, um, he directed the two of the Work in the Glory movies. So wow. he's he's a really, but he's just incredibly talented. And I, uh, there was an opportunity through BYU. They said, "Hey, there's a a director's party happening at Sundance," and. This alumni wants to, or this filmmaker wants, needs some people to hand out swag bags. And (laughs) I went up with my friend. We were the only two who volunteered to do it. And um, I was like, what is like this opportunity? Nobody is taking it. That's crazy. So we went and we did it. We went online. We just handed out bags. I had no idea who any of these (laughs) cool people were. And I didn't you know, give my card to, I mean, it wasn't like that. I just was enjoying the experience. But at the end of the night, Sterling was, he's such a wonderful person. And he came up to me, he was like, here's my business card. If you ever need anything, you know, feel free to call. And he was working in Florida as the Dean of a film department out there. And so a year later, I pull out his card and I was like, I need an internship and I want it to be in Florida. So I called him and I said, Hey, I'm going to be in Florida this summer. Would it be possible for me to get an internship through your school? Wow, good for you. And he was like, yeah. So a week later, he calls me and he's like, I have an internship at Universal Studios. It's a really highly sought-after internship. So let me know right now if you can't do it. But it starts in a week and a half. And I was like, I'll be there. And so I called my uncle, who lived in (laughs) Florida. I was like, hey, can I come (laughs) live with you this summer? (laughs) Of course. But I did, and that was... That was the beginning of you know it's just networking. Yeah, really, it's networking. That experience came through the forum I was at at BYU, and then through my experience at Universal Studios, I met someone who knew someone else in Utah, and I made sure that I connected there. And like every opportunity that I've had is really my like strong desire to network. I think so. That's why it's like no matter where you are, awesome. You have to do that. Yeah, you got to advantage you gotta those take advantage of things. You got to take it. You got to see the opportunities and take them.
0: How was your Florida experience?
1: Um, it was awesome. Yeah. I worked on a 3D Sesame Street movie. So a 3D Sesame 3D Street, Street movie for a Universal Studios ride in Japan. How cool! So, yeah, it was really fun. It That's was amazing. Yeah, it, it was. It taught me a lot about a lot of things. It was a very interesting experience because I was an intern there, and. Um, I watched how you know set ran, and I I actually had this um, experience where I was on set helping out, and I I was asked to watch a light, and because it was a hot set, meaning everyone was going to come back if the light moved, they'd have to start over, and so I was asked to watch the light, so I did, and I was you know working as the PA, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this, and and everybody came back and everyone was working and someone asked me to come and watch the camera and I was like I can't do it I've got to watch this light and he was like oh they're just messing with you come down and watch the camera I was like no I have to watch the light <laughs> and he grabbed my arm and pulled me down and immediately the second AD the one that was over me he just started yelling at me and kicked me off set and like what? it was it was really crazy it was really hard oh my gosh and um, I It was funny. Since we have a Latter-day Saint audience, I'll tell you this little tidbit. I was walking away. I mean, I was mad. I was like, this is the most unfair thing. And the primary song popped into my head. As I have loved you, love one another. (laughs) By this shall men know ye are my disciples. And I was like, dang it. I (laughs) I don't want to love this guy. so mad. But I did. I actually did. And I'm really glad because it ended up being like a really good thing for me. But I learned a lot about filmmaking yeah. and also about the fact that like, I was one of the only women on awesome. set and, but it was interesting because people were saying, well, if you really want, if you want him to be nicer to you, like you're gonna need to, you know, Yeah. sleep with yeah. him. And I was like, I mean, that was my first experience with that and I'm like, you know what? Never, yeah. ever will I ever go down that path or try to get something that is not you. with my skill and talent, and like I was just appalled that that was how the how things ran, and so it was really motivating for me. It was a and that's huge the darker motivator. side
0: of of filmmaking that unfortunately I've heard more stories like that than we care to. I think now it's a very positive thing that that is coming to light.
1: Yeah. It Once is. you
0: shed a light on something dark, then it goes away. Yeah, hopefully, but I mean that still happens. Yeah. So, but so did you end up getting to go back on set, or was yeah. that was that the end well, of it? Well,
1: the great thing was I I was still friends with the director and all the producers, and they their editor was in L.A. They were in Cal- or Florida, so they c- they just didn't have an edit. It wasn't, and I'm like, well, I'll edit it for you. So. So you I, keep creating I, your own opportunities. Yeah, and I edited the whole thing, and I was going into a meeting, and everyone—it was with all the directors, producer, and this guy that had kicked me off set. He's like, "Well, why does she get to go there?" And I'm like, "Cause she's she edited it for us," and it, like it was almost like a full circle. Like, see, this is how you do it.
0: That's how you make this it. This is happen. how
1: you make it happen. And it. Yeah. So
0: awesome. So that's fantastic. Yeah, it was good. So then, what was your big? What would you consider your directorial debut? I guess other you, you had your documentary that was really your directorial debut.
1: Yeah. What was
0: the first uh the first non-documentary that you directed?
1: Um well, really it's Jane and Emma.
0: Really? Okay. Yeah,
1: I've done some music videos, but yeah. you know, those are yeah, we and, talked about
0: this a little bit before we started recording, that we have a lot of mutual friends. Yeah. And you've done some stuff for some Latter-day Saint artists? Yeah. Like Nick Day?
1: Nick Day, yeah. Hillary Weeks, oh, and Nathan okay. Pacheco. Wow, cool and, stuff. Cali Callie Reed.
0: What do you love about directing music videos?
1: Oh, they're so fun. Yeah. I love music. Like I said, growing up, we were very musical. Yeah. I was in a bluegrass band at one point in my life. What? did? It was were you a fun. singer? I, I played the banjo and I sang. <laughs> Not that's, very many people saw us, and that's okay. That's it, it was awesome. fun. I loved it. So you know, that's just great. kind of, I have, I know enough about music to be a pain in the butt sometimes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I have enough opinions about it. But also, just to be able to, you know, to tell a story with music. Uh, yeah, I, I love, I love it. So yeah, so those have been really great, really, really good opportunities, and it, those happened. Right at the time that I was like working on developing Jane and Emma. But really, Jane and Emma is my first.
0: That is um, amazing to me because Jane and Emma is so good. So we're going to dive in. I've been kind of holding (laughs) it back, dying to talk about Jane and Emma. And this is the film I alluded to at the beginning. Jane and Emma, which, by the way, uh, from the time that this podcast is premiering, uh, Jane and Emma is opening this weekend, mm-hmm. so I got to see a little bit of a sneak preview, which was really awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, tell us how this whole project got started. How did Jane and Emma come to be?
1: Well, so, and I'll tell you like the deep stuff for me too. Please. Because, um, so I I had been doing my documentaries. I had a company, we did it for about 10 years and at the end, I worked with Arthur Van Wagenen, who mm-hmm. now works with um, Excel Entertainment and does book. He was my business partner, and um, we ended up splitting off. And he went and worked there, and I had my second baby, so I have two children. Oh, awesome! And um, and then I was dealing with life, and I ended up getting divorced. And so I rough had, time. I, it it was hard. <laughs> for yeah, sure.
0: That's not an easy one.
1: No, and I it really. Uh, I was talking to someone recently, and they said, it's amazing what kind of beautiful things can come from a divorce. Yeah, And, I, you know, it's that whole, like, you're going through what I call, like, the tunnel of thorns, yeah. where anywhere you go, you feel like you're going to bleed, and the only way out is for the Savior to carry you out of it. And mm-hmm. having that experience, for me, like, it just changed everything for me. And um so I when I jumped back into film like after my divorce I called Arthur up and I was like hey can we go to lunch <laughs> I you know cuz I hadn't worked for 3 years in film and I didn't know if I would ever get back into it and um but I yeah I I needed to put food on the table for my children I mean that was really the motivating thing yeah. I was like I need to start working again and we had this really great conversation mm. about The stories that people need to be telling right now, and the stories that need to people need to be hearing right now, and I think because I just had so much, and I had just learned so much about my own beliefs, about God, about my relationship with the Savior, things that like I think prior to that experience, I you know you have this box, and like you move along, and A plus B equals C, and life is you know like we all try so hard. And to have all of that just like shatter, and oh. have to like make sense of it again, I had I just had so much inside of me to tell, I, I, and I I I didn't know exactly how to mm. do that. But one of the things he said, he was like, "I think we need to be making a film by women for women about women." Great. And and he was like, "You know, would you like? Do you feel like you would want to direct something?" and I thought about it. And I, because I had edited other feature films prior to doing documentaries, um, and and I was like, I remember when I was editing the films, I would be like, oh, man, I need this, I need, you know, these pieces. If only I had been on set, and I could have gotten the things that I need to make this scene work better. So all of that came to me, and I was like, yeah, actually, I think I'd be really good at directing something. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, in fact, I, I have to do it, you know, like, because because I have so much inside of me and, and I don't believe that God gives us those things just for us. You know, no, I really believe that like my experiences that I've received, they come to me in a way that's so intense. Like I, I live kind of on a, like a heightened intensity. I don't know why I think I'm just like a really passionate person. And so when stuff happens to me, it like, I formalize it in my head in this very poetic way, and so I can, I visually see things. And so all of those experiences and everything I learned, I don't know, it was just like all these stories and all of these things, like just wanting to come out. And so that was really what um, started the whole process. And and just my desire to make a film, and we so we started looking for stories um, to tell, and and you know one of our first thoughts was let's make something about polygamy. I mean, really, like I, I tackling difficult topics, yeah, you know, like being able to do that, and we we eventually turned to, let's talk about race, and um, we were talking with some people that he works with, and they were like let's you know what about Jane Manning James. And so then were we you familiar
0: up- with that story before?
1: No, I was I
0: was not at all either. Mm-mm. You know that I feel terrible like I felt terrible like when, as I'm watching it I'm, uh, my first thought was how did I not know this story? Yeah. Tell us but let's take one step back and let's 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 tell our listeners who who Jane? When we say uh, Jane and Emma, who who are Jane and Emma?
1: Yeah, so it's Jane Manning James, and she was one of the first African American members of the church. She lived yeah. with Emma Smith, so it's Emma Smith in the film, and Joseph. Um, she lived with them in the mansion home and worked in the mansion house in eighteen forty four. Yeah, and she lived with them for nine months, I think it was before Joseph was killed.
0: And, and even before she got there, she was a free woman. Her family yeah, she, were free. She was born free. But this was in the time of intense, intense racism. Yes. And, and so she lived with them. And you tell their story in such an amazing way. You're going to hear me fanboy uh-huh. like crazy about this film. I, uh, I, I can be critical of film. And I'm not on this one. Everything about it is amazing. It's a fantastic film. If you, We'll talk a little bit uh, about where it's going to be playing. Go see it. Go see this movie. I've already told about 30 different people I know (laughs) to go see this movie because it will change your life, and it will change the way you understand Emma and the way you look at race and polygamy and all kinds of issues because you tackle a little bit of everything in it. And it's so phenomenal – but in any case, so so, how did it come to be that this was the story that you chose then?
1: Yeah, so one of the first the people that we went to talk to was um, Temu Smith and Xander Vrains. Oh, yeah. And, th- and maybe people are familiar with them. The as- Sisters
0: in Zion? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. and Who are so funny. And so I follow them. I don't know them. I've never met them. I follow them oh. on social media. And they are so fantastic.
1: Yeah. And they spent a lot of time... In their life, as African American Mormon uh, members, of yeah. the yeah, we're, <laughs> we're all getting used to it. We're all getting used to it. They, you know, they really Jane was an uh, icon for them and someone yeah. that they loved. And so, so, uh, you know, Arthur asked Temu, like, if if you were to do this, what would it, what would the story be? And she said, well, it's got to be about Jane and Emma. And their their friendship and and so we have, an amazing writer Melissa Leilani Larson, yeah. And um, she and I had gone to school together. We'd worked together. I'd read mm. some of her work, where she's able to, it's it's magical to me because you read a script that could potentially be really controversial, yeah. And somehow she just is able to like do it in a very like objective way that's like just filled with love all over so all of a sudden you're just thinking about like huh you know and and it's not one side or the other like she's really good so so she was on, on board it's
0: all true what you're saying yeah, yeah. haven't seen the movie I'll just <laughs> tell you it's so true what you're saying because I think some of our listeners might be thinking oh well if you're touching on all these things I don't know if it's a movie for me it is trust me on this go see it Because you do, you have a very light touch on all of these Mm -hmm. things. And it's very human. Going back to what we talked about, about character driven, it's very human and very touching and not controversial. There's nothing in it that I found remotely controversial. Yeah. You know that, anyway, I keep interrupting you. Go on.
1: No. Well, and I think that's because it's true, right? Yeah. Like, Sometimes we're afraid of the truth. I'm just gonna say that right now. I really yeah. believe that. I'm afraid of our own truths, you know. Mm. And I, and I think that's one of the things that I learned in my own like trial of faith in my life. Yeah. Is that it's like, well, this is my truth. And if I'm afraid of that, and I can't talk about that, and I can't let this be okay, and I can't, yeah, and and I can't let this be my life and and love it then like what is my life going to look like and i and i think that if we can't if we cannot talk about jane's trials and emma's trials and their reality truthfully then how can we be honest with ourselves mm. and i do think that that's actually a really big struggle for members of the church i mm. found that in church you know sometimes i would just be freely talking about my trial and my journey and my and my doubts or my, you know, like when I was having doubts, this is where Christ came in and like people would come come to me after Sunday school, thank you so much for sharing that. Like I just can't, I can't like talk about those kinds of things. And I'm like, we have to. <laughs> we <laughs> have so to agreeing. talk about those things because life is like, we're supposed to contribute to the world and bring light. But if we're just like hiding in ourselves, and not and not able to like be free with who we are and, and love ourselves for who we are, then we can't take our blinders off and we can't see everyone else around us that is yeah. struggling. And I think yeah. that that's one of the things with this film is that like you know we have we have our trials. Jane and Emma both have their things that they're dealing with, and in this film, you really see them realize that they're not looking at what someone else is hurting from and they're not realizing that, oh, if I'm, if I'm honest with myself, then I would notice that this wonderful, beautiful woman inside and out is going through the exact same thing. Yeah. And we can be there for each other. And God has given us to each other to be able to be stronger and get through this really hard life.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's, what's amazing. You touch on so many facets in the film of how they are there for each other, but then they have issues with each other. Mm -hmm. They have issues externally. They have issues with how they perceive each other. I mean, it's just so beautifully told, but in the end, it's so faith-affirming, too. Uh, One of the things that I love about it is now getting to know you. I see your trials in divorce in the film. I see your trials... Uh, with, or not trials, I see your background with race in the film. I see you as a woman in the film. There are not a lot of directors that could have told the story the way you did. I'll tell you that in the most wonderful, positive way. You come through that film in a lot of ways. I think it's so, one of the things I'm excited about is taking my daughters to see it. Mm -hmm. Because there have not been, I mean, my sons, I've got, hundred different films that I can show them and a hundred different stories. Why do you think it's so important for us to tell the stories of strong Latter-day Saint women?
1: Oh my gosh. We've, we have all day, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just a simple little question, right?
1: <laughs> oh, I, you know, I love being a woman. Yeah, I do. And I, I, as a woman, especially in the film industry where um I will often be the only woman sitting at the table. Yeah. A lot. This is like a really th- big thing, you know? And right. there's I think there's like 4% of directors are women. Yeah. And I, I, mean, I don't know. I'm going to totally butcher this but maybe like 9% are writers of of writers or maybe like 18. I don't know, but it's like really just a small percentage of the storytellers that are out there. Right. Are women and we um I know what it's like to be a woman because I've I've lived that. You know, when I was pregnant with my son, I was kind of freaking out. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know what it's like to be a boy. How am I gonna raise a son? Like I could do a girl because I you know, like you yeah. just there's so much that you know because you lived right? it. I've lived it every single day of my life. I know how I feel, I know how I understand, I understand myself. Sometimes I don't even understand, right? Like we're always trying to figure out who we are. And yeah. understand like how God loves us as as His daughters. Mm. So everything that I've ever experienced has given me the knowledge to tell a story about being a woman. And my whole team, most most all of my team were female. And um, when when I was working with my writer, she she knows so much about me because we would be talking about a scene, and then a, like a personal anecdote would pop into my head. So I would be like, okay, well, I think I should tell you this story. So I would just like, you know, talk about an experience I had and and talk about how I felt, right? Because I, I feel like if you can infuse actual human truths into the story, people will re- resonate, whether you're a man or a woman. If it's, yeah. if it's a truth, right. then people will be able to connect to it. And so... I mean, yeah, I share so much about myself with her and of course she brings to the table and our other producers bring to the table their experiences as well. But I just think that's the only the only way that we could have told this story mm. because you know it's a relationship between two women. Yeah. And if someone if a woman is getting mad at another woman, the way she responds has to be authentic yeah. and accurate. And I've I've watched other films where I don't connect to the women, and I'm like, Yeah, no way. Like, <laughs> that's not what a woman's gonna do. In that no woman's gonna act like that. <laughs> I mean, maybe someone does, but I don't know her. Yeah. And I do know a lot of women, and I, I think it's so important. And I had this experience while I was making Jane and Emma, and you might laugh, it's fine, but like, I was watching Wonder Woman. It was in the theaters. Yeah. And I remember sitting there. And like I'm not gonna say I look like her, but she had dark hair, you know, her skin wasn't perfectly yeah. white, right? She's yeah. this, and and she was a superhero. And I've never seen a lead in a film that I actually felt connected to. Right. It was the first time I had had that experience. Yeah. And I was I mean, this was a couple of years ago, right? Or you right. and and I was just like blown away. Yeah, and, and I asked some of my friends, my male friends, I was like, have you ever watched a superhero movie where you've actually like thought you could be that superhero? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I've never had that experience until this time in my life. Because... It was. There were so many things that were so real right. to being a woman that you could connect through. She's like, "I'm gonna go save the world," and oh my gosh, it's a baby, you know? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's what we do because we have all of these different feelings inside yeah. of us. And it was so refreshing to see a, a real woman that I could connect to. Yeah. And and so, honestly, like one of the things people ask me, like, what do you hope? Pe- what do you hope people get from this film? And one of the things I really hope is that I hope. Young girls, young women, yeah, women, older women, watch this film and have a desire to make movies. I mean, I know that, yeah, like that may be a lot to ask, but there are we need more films, we need more stories, yeah, about women told from the perspective of a woman because um, I don't know exactly what percentage of women there are on the earth, but I'm guessing half. <laughs> I'm guessing it's probably
0: somewhere in the 50% range, right? Yeah. It's got to be. I don't
1: know. Maybe there's more. I don't know. But, like, that's a lot of people that we know our, our whole life. And I, I would say even, like, within the church, like, we listen to men's voices all the time, and we have to take that and relate to it. Yeah. And it, it, it is a little bit more work and it doesn't always connect in such a deep way as when you sit and talk. Like if you go to release society, sure. You know, like I, that can be, I can o-
0: literally only imagine.
1: <laughs> uh, well, sometimes yeah. that's so, it just is so fulfilling right. you know, to be able to like be with w- women and sisters who understand and who can get really deep. I have, I, I have also very deep relationships with a lot of men. Sure, so, you know, but I'm t- saying this. But you connect
0: differently with women. Women connect differently with each other. Yeah. And and I would say that we, we need more women to make movies. We need more women to do stand up comedy, mm-hmm. to write, to speak, to you know whatever it is in yes. the arts, and in sport, and in all types of things. I mean, I've I've got daughters who need more role models. Yeah. And I think. I think it's a wonderful time in the church to see the church as a body acknowledging that. I think this film, I mean, it is. It's a story about two women. It's one of the things I was I was talking to my wife about it afterward. I was saying, it's, it's such an amazing film. And it dawned on me later, wow, Joseph Smith, the great prophet, is a minor character in it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, how cool is it? Like, how cool is it that... Here, are these two amazing, beautiful women were front and center. Tell us a little bit about the actresses who play Jane and Emma.
1: Yeah, um, Jane was played by Danielle Dedweiler. She lives in Atlanta. Um, she's phenomenal.
0: Incredible.
1: <laughs> she, and I'll get into her, the other actress, Emily Goss, plays Emma Smith, and she's out yeah. of LA. Um, when we were doing the casting calls, It was really interesting. We had about 26 audition tapes for Joseph, because it Mm. was pilot season, and there were just 26 men who auditioned for the role. We had about double auditioned for the role of Emma. Wow. And so maybe like 50. And then for Jane, we had 1,200 reply back.
0: 1,200.
1: And then we had 300 audition tapes come back. Wow. And I mean... That is, you know, it's a little sad that there's just not that many roles for an African-American woman in that age range. But I, I was also like really hoping that that's what would happen because I, I was like I know we can get someone yeah who's amazing and who should never be able to do this small budget film but <laughs> we are going to find someone incredible. She was
0: phenomenal. She I mean, was incredible. So good. And they are not members of the church. No, they're not. So, yeah. did you get any sense of their reaction to the story itself?
1: Um, you know, they're so professional. Yeah, And they're so experienced. And yeah. they, like, immediately, when I had my first conversations with them, they had you know, obviously read the script and really wanted to do the role yeah. because of who the person was in the film. Right. It, you know, Jane, like you were saying, it's during the time of slavery. Yeah. And a lot of films are made about slaves. And Jane is not one. No. She's this incredibly strong like, pillar of strength and and really a strength for the, the whole church. I, I think as members start to watch it, for they sure. will understand that yeah. and see, like, oh, there was a lot of really important things going on at the beginning of the church, and she was a big part of it. And um, and so, to have that be the role that you get to play, like, she, yeah. you know, she a role just, of a lifetime. Yeah, she... Owned it from the first, yeah. the first second, and I remember I did a call, when I was doing the callback with her, on Skype. Yeah, she was doing. There's a scene where she's talking about how the family walked 800 miles to get to Nauvoo. and I, I had her do that scene because I was like, I really want to see you know what she does with that. And I, I have on my iPad. I take was taking notes. I have it written. If she is Jane, people will love her. Yeah, and I for just sure. I knew it because I was like, oh my gosh. She walked 800 miles <laughs> she, <laughs> just to be with the saints, and I love her and so. And I know much. the scene you're talking about, and I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I'm
0: excited to see it again. It is a movie people will want to see again and again. It's phenomenal. I would say, uh, you know, there's nothing, certainly nothing offensive in it. Rated PG film. It is. I, I'm. We're going to take our whole family. You should take your whole family and go. It's just an amazing film. If people want to see it, where can they see the film?
1: They. On opening weekend, which is this weekend, this October weekend, October twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth, that the it's open in Utah only, so it's in Megaplex and some Cinemark theaters, um, and you can look on Fandango and just type in Jane and Emma and see where it is and buy your tickets because the thing, this is the thing that's kind of crazy about it, <laughs> is that if it doesn't get like sold out. An opening weekend in Utah, then it likely won't go anywhere else but utah and it it's so crazy, like you kind of dream like, okay, I would like to have a release here and here and here, but it's like well, it 's a small budget movie, and it's got a small budget marketing, and so it's like this is the this is the only way, but if people see it, yeah, then other theaters in other cities will say, "Oh, we want to have that play in our city, yeah." And lots of people are reaching out like, hey, we'd love to have a screening out here. And I'm just like, well, then tell your friends in Utah. Tell your friends in Utah.
0: They have to (laughs) see it. They have to go see it. Go see it this weekend. And if you're thinking about you have friends or family members who are not members of the church, this is not a church movie. This is a relationship movie about people who happen to be members of the church. And there's certainly the church is woven all the way through it. But this is not a movie like if you're thinking, oh, I don't want to invite this person because they're not a member of the church or they're not active or whatever. No, this is a movie for everyone. And it is a movie for everyone to see. Take your family, go see this movie. Take friends. We will be there this weekend. Uh, but yeah, you have to support it. I mean, because in order for more of these types of things to be made, uh, and what I love about it is it is just a great film. Forget everything else forget the spiritual messages, forget everything else. To my listeners, please go see this movie and support Mm -hmm. it because it is absolutely awesome. And it's been so fantastic getting to know you. I appreciate it. I'm going to ask you, we'll we'll finish up with uh, the question that we ask all of our guests. Mm -hmm. uh, When you say, do we have all day? This is a simple little question. (laughs) What does being a member of the church mean to you?
1: Oh, yeah, that is a good question. <laughs> Not a small one. No, um, I really love Jesus Christ. I love the Savior mm. a lot, and I know that He loves me. And and I will say too, through my experiences, I know how much He loves women. And of course, I'm sure He loves men. But I I know He loves men. I've as a woman have felt his love for his daughters and I feel like I've been given a lot of gifts mm. and and I need to use those gifts for good. Yeah. And to help I guess build the kingdom, right? Like that's what we're supposed to be doing and and um so that's what that's what I'm trying to do. I'm I'm honestly all the time trying to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and um, Heavenly Father because I, I I feel like that's what this life is for, is to figure out how to become more like God. And that's what mm-hmm. all of our trials are for. And so while they're difficult and really hard, and sometimes you think, why is this happening why does this have to happen? I feel like God trusts us with our trials so that we can be, become worthy to be with Him again, which is ultimately what I want and what I know a lot of people want. And so to be in in this church and to be able to know that and to be able to be on that journey it's It's what life is made of. Mm. And I'm really grateful for all of those experiences.
0: The film is Jane and Emma. It is opening this weekend. Go see this movie. Uh, We have a director, creator, artist, mother, and true daughter of God, Chantel Squires. Thank you for sharing your latter-day life with
1: us. Thank you so much.
0: My, thanks to Chantel. She was just amazing. I just, I love that we have really powerful, strong uh, role models for our young women and for all of us. I mean, forget about just for women. I was so impressed by her and this film. Can I just say it again? (laughs) Please go see this movie. If you live in Utah, please go see the film, especially this weekend. Uh, Like Chantel was explaining, the way it works with independent film is that if a lot of people go see it, Here in Utah, then people in Arizona or California or uh, places where there are larger Latter-day Saint communities, they'll start saying, okay, maybe people will see it here too. So please support this movie. You will not regret it. It's a fantastic film. Uh, This week in my Latter-day life, of course, what's on my mind? General Conference. It is awesome. And this General Conference was very different for me from any other one. When I go back and I look at my life, uh, you know, growing up, of course, I watched conference uh, every six months with my family, like we all do. And then I went on a mission. So I watched them all my parents, siblings, then I went on a mission, and uh, we got the recorded version. We didn't see it live, but usually I saw it recorded. I saw it with companions. And then when I got home, I had roommates, and I watched with roommates, and then I got married. I had my permanent roommate, my wife, and ever since then I've watched with her, then our children, on and on. And I realized this weekend I have never watched conference alone. Now, how did I realize that? Well, that's because this weekend, that all changed. I had a very busy weekend lined up. In addition to conference, I had some interviews and some other things I needed to get done. My in-laws went up to uh, a lake to hang out for the weekend. And my wife, they invited her, and I encouraged her to go. So she went with our children and I was left here alone to watch conference. And in the Saturday afternoon session, as they were uh, asking us to, to sustain the prophet and all the apostles and all of the authorities, uh, I found myself sitting there by myself, raising my hand. And it was a, an incredibly spiritual moment for me. There's the old saying that uh, if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one around to hear it, does it make a noise? I would say that there I was sitting there by myself. There was no one around me. First time in my life that I can ever remember that I was by myself sitting in my living room and raising my hand that, yes, I sustained the prophet. Yes, I sustained the Quorum of the Twelve and my local authorities. And I thought all the way down to my bishop, my elders quorum president, all these people that I sustained them. And I thought, well, all that matters is that God sees, and then I see, and then I have a chance to, sp- to speak and, and to be heard. And even if there was no one else around, that my arm being raised sus- to sustain this man really mattered. It mattered to me, and it mattered to God. And what a blessing. And it got me thinking down the path of, how many other things do I do when I'm by myself? You know, is it all appropriate, the media that I consume, everything else? Or do I have two standards? Because it was nice to have one standard, even with nobody else around. And it got me to thinking that maybe I should look at other aspects of my life and make sure that they're aligned, even when I'm by myself. But what a blessing it was. And yet, I don't know that I ever want to do it again. I love having my family around for for conference and uh, grateful for them. And that's what's happening this week in my Latter-day life. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Okay, my last plug, please. <laughs> Please go see Jane and Emma. You will not regret it. And for those of you, especially you sisters, on a social media fast, if you want to watch the interview um, with Chantel, uh, not only will I have it on Facebook, but I'll have it on YouTube. So you can go to YouTube. If you don't want to go to Facebook during the 10-day media fast, please go to YouTube and check it out. So until next week when we have another fantastic show for you, please remember... As always, that there is a great big beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening.